Let us turn in God's holy word to Psalm 107, the psalm in which we have just sang, Psalm 107, and we'll read the entire psalm. It will be helpful to have your Bibles open during this message, as uh, there's some, just some beautiful illustrations in uh, this psalm of, of God's wonderful works to those who cry to Him for deliverance. You can find it on page 696 in your pew Bible, Psalm 107. Let us hear God's holy word. O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses, and He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens and they go down to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro, stagger like drunken men and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and He brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that the waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet, so He guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness 
and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the company of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and water springs into dry ground. A fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There He makes the hungry dwell and they may establish a city for a dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly and He does not let their cattle decrease. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression and affliction and sorrow, He pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet He sets the poor on high far from affliction and makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops its mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Amen. May God bless the reading of His precious and infallible Word and also add His blessing to the exposition of it. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are gathered here together on this uh, beautiful morning to remember God's wonderful works and to give Him thanks and praise Him for all that He has done. And we have this privilege of being in a country, and especially in North America, there are many celebrations of Thanksgiving. And this has been evident already since uh, the mid-16th century. We don't know for sure if this was the first celebration of Thanksgiving on North American soil, but it certainly is likely to be the first Thanksgiving celebrated on Canadian soil. And this, was, this occurred in 1579 upon the voyage of Martin Frobisher from England in search of the Northwest Passage. On his third voyage, he came to an area of Baffin Island, which is near none, in Nunavut. And there he was trying to settle a small settlement, have a small settlement. On his journey and the fleet of 15 ships, there was men, materials, and provisions. And yet one of these ships uh, ran into ice and many of the building materials um, perished in this uh, storm. And, and yet, as they came to none of it there, they had a day of thanksgiving. For there was a man with them, Maester Wolfall, a learned man, a studied man, appointed by Her Majesty to be the minister and preacher who went along with them. And it is said that he prepared for them a godly sermon, exhorting them especially to be thankful to God for his strange and miraculous deliverance through their voyage 
bringing them unto this place. At it, they celebrated Holy Communion as well. And, and this was really a cel- first celebration on Canadian soil of divine mystery. And especially in Christ's name, emphasizing the death and passion of Jesus Christ also on our soil. Now, obviously, there were many other instances of thanksgiving. You can look them up for yourself. But they testified of provision, of victory, and of healing. It wasn't until 1879 that this day became known as the day that would continually be celebrated as Thanksgiving Day. And we have this opportunity to gather together and to read of God's amazing deliverance and testify of it. I can only imagine that this first Thanksgiving in in the 1500s with Maester Wolfall was in reflection had to have understood something of Psalm 107. Understanding the real challenges of life and yet having a heartfelt acknowledgement that God is in control of everything and He has provided gracious deliverance. And the observation of this deliverance of God is what produces thankfulness to God and praise to His holy name. I'd like to illustrate this especially from Psalm 107 this morning. Psalm 107. We will see there that we are redeemed unto thankfulness. We're going to see this in three points. We're going to look at how man's groaning cry for deliverance is also needed to understand the redemption needed. And then we're going to see God's gracious deliverance in His redemption. And then we're going to look at our observation, which produces thankfulness. First of all, then, we are redeemed unto thankfulness. And it begins with man's groaning cry for deliverance. The psalm sets before us immediately at the beginning, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, because He has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy, gathered us out of the lands from east and west, from north and south. And then He sets before us Four pictures of how our needs produce groans and cries for deliverance. Notice the first one in verse 4. He says, They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their souls fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses, and He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. So the psalmist is looking back and he's reminded of all of the the events of history of God's providence in taking Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, leaving his home, bringing him to the promised land. He thinks of Israel who was in Egypt, delivered out of Egypt, brought through the wilderness. He thinks of Israel 
as they wandered in this wilderness in a desolate place where there was no nourishment, where it was an empty place. The psalm is written later. It's probably even thinking also of, of the wilderness of being in Babylon, or it could even be applied to that. where They were spiritually in exile in an empty place. And the distress of hunger and thirst pressed upon them, and they cried out to God in their trouble. I don't know that we can fully comprehend what it means to be hungry and thirsty. We may miss a meal and we may have some hunger pains. Or we may be somewhere where we don't have any water, good water, and we may get thirsty for a period of time. But, but this isn't referring to just having a few hunger pains. This is, this is those who are in an empty place where there is no substance for their bodies. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And He heard them. The second picture He points us to is in verse 10. Those who sat in darkness and the shadow of death bound in affliction in irons because they rebelled against the words of God. They despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them out of their distresses. These are those who are in bondage. Those you might think of Israel in the bondage of Egypt or even the bondage of Babylon. And the God, our God is afflicting them Maybe even the bondage of the afflictions that they experience from time to time from the Moabites or the Philistines. And they're, they're bound, as it were, in fetters. But what also a great picture of our spiritual needs, our spiritual bondage. And today we think about that. We think about bondage and imprisonment and we we think about criminals in prison we may also think about those who are enslaved to alcohol or drugs or whatever it would be they're enslaved to the whims of satan and of sin and so really what we need to recognize is each one of us by nature are enslaved to sin, enslaved to the bondage of sin, those shackles of Satan. And the distress of this bondage ought to cause us to cry out. The suffering of this bondage ought to cause us to cry out. Those who are in bondage, but also those who are, who are you may say, sick. Notice verse 17. Fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. These people are called fools. As we know from Psalm 14 and 53, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. 
The fool is one who lives like there is no God. We think of Jesus' parable of the rich fool who, who built up his barns and, and he had plenty and he was saving it up and, and storing it up and he had plenty and he could set his mind at ease. And God says, no, he's going to stop. This night I will require your soul from you. I will bring you to the gate of death. As we come to the gates of death, then I can assure you that none of our riches, none of our medical advancements can save you from the reality of the wages of sin, which is death. The wise hear it and know it and take it to heart and they cry out for deliverance. There are those. In the fourth picture we have here who are in the sea in a great storm in verse 23 through 28. What an amazing picture. I was uh, visiting with someone and they explained their voyage to North America. And they immigrated and, and uh, could understand the wonders of the deep depths of the sea and, and how the waves would lift them up to the heavens and then bring them back down into the depths. Verse 23, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. And He commands and raises a stormy wind which lift up the waves of the sea and they mount up to the heavens and they go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunk, drunken men. They're at their wit's end. And there they cry to God, the Lord, in their trouble. These merchants who would have been on the seas, trading, bringing stuff from port to port, and a terrible storm is suddenly brought on them by the Lord. And suddenly they find themselves in a terrifying situation. Sometimes like Job, having done nothing wrong, and yet going up, to the heights of heaven and down to the depths because of God's providences in his life. Even when God allows bad things to happen to people like Job or other times like Jonah, fleeing from God, fleeing from his call, going his own way on this ship, rising up and going down People staggering around like drunken men at their wit's end. And finally they throw Jonah overboard. Well, what's this picture equivalent of in our lives today? Maybe in our own lives we come to our wit's end in a variety of ways, don't we? Maybe it's through a tragic death in your family. Maybe it's a wayward child. Maybe it's a deadly illness. Maybe it's bankruptcy, home foreclosures, unemployment, 
a disability of one sort or another. You could add all of your problems to the list and you come to your wit's end after you try staggering around this ship trying to get from one end to the other. And it seems as if God is just heaving it with those big waves. The storms of life have come upon you. You're at your wit's end. And then you cry out to the Lord in your trouble. These are great God's gracious ways of producing groaning cries in our life. Because this crying out to God, it exposes our great needs. And it grants unto us by His grace to cry out in the right manner with humility acknowledging that our dependence and our hope is found only in God. We cry out to Him, the only One, the only One who can fill that hole in man's heart and give him a bright perspective on life and to grant comfort and encouragement even through His deliverance. They cry out to God, the One who hears, the One who loves to hear His people cry. Because God is listening for such cries and prayers. Sometimes we tell our children when they cry out to mom or dad, we say, well, daddy's just too busy right now. You'll just need to wait. And sometimes we think about God in the same way. He's just so busy. He can't be bothered with my problems and my small inconveniences. But, but God is never an overwhelmed parent. He never has too much to do. He never has a limited amount of time to do it all in. God is always listening. Listening for those cries through His gracious providences that He places in your life. He wants us to call upon Him and He will give us his full attention. Do you see our need of God and His grace? And by His grace have we come to our own wit's end with nothing in our hands to bring. God, I need You 100%. And we cry out to Him for deliverance. That's God's grace. He's brought some of you to those places. Even in this past year. To the gates of death. As a congregation, we cry out to God for healing, for grace. And we have witnessed His gracious deliverance in so many ways. Just as in the psalm. Four times we have read of their groaning cries for deliverance. And four times we read that the Lord brings them out of their distresses. He graciously delivers them. Think about these words. And He delivered or saved them from all their distresses or all their destructions. But I want you to notice this powerful truth. 
of God's gracious deliverance that's illustrated in this psalm. This powerful truth is that He grants unto us a Christ-centered, a Christ-illustrated deliverance. Notice, first of all, in Psalm 107, verse 7, He delivered them out of their distresses and He led them forth by the right way that, he might, that we, they might go to the city for a dwelling place. For He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. You you hear the echo of Jesus' own words, don't you? I am the bread of life. I am the fountain of living water. And you hear how He is said in His Beatitudes in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God graciously delivers through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And He brings them through Jesus on a right way unto a city. A city that has foundations. A city whose builder and maker is God. That they may have a dwelling place and feast in that place for all eternity. That's God's gracious deliverance. Secondly, In verse 16, when he talks about those who are in prison, he says in verse 16, He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. And He has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. It's Christ who breaks the bands asunder. As the prison doors are broken down, as the gravestones are rolled away, there's true liberty in Jesus Christ. For He has said the truth will set you free and you will be free indeed. Isn't that what He said He's called to do in Luke 4? As He preaches to His hometown in Nazareth, He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me as He quotes Isaiah 61. Because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. To, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. It is Christ who breaks those bands, those shackles, those chains asunder. And we are set free through the liberty of the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that Christ is also the One who heals the fools who thought they would live forever in their own strength. Who were brought to the gates of death. Verse 20, the Lord heard them, delivered them. He sent His Word and He healed them. Think of the Roman centurion in Matthew 8. As Jesus had come to Capernaum, the centurion came to Him pleading with Him saying, Lord, My servant is lying at home paralyzed, deadly tormented. And Jesus says, I will come and I will heal him. And the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that You should come under My roof. 
but to speak one word, one word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus does. And he heals his servant by his word. His word is the healing balm of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice those who are on the stormy seas, cast to and fro, staggering like drunken men, coming to their wits' end. In verse 29 we read, He calms the storm so that the waves are still. And then they are glad because they are quiet, so He guides them to their desired haven. And so a couple of occasions, Jesus did just that. One occasion, immediately after He's walking on the water to them, He quiets a storm, and immediately they're at their desired haven. Another time in Matthew 8 again, He gets into a boat. His disciples go with Him. And suddenly, there's this great tempest arising on the sea. The boat is covered with waters and Jesus is asleep. And His disciples wake Him up saying, Lord, save us! We're perishing! And He said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? As He rises up and He rebukes the sea and it becomes calm. They marveled. Who can this be? That even the winds and the seas obey Him. This is Jesus Christ. The Son of the living God. Our Redeemer. Our Deliverer. Do you see the great deliverance that there is in Jesus Christ? That's what we're most thankful for today. We could make a whole list of all the things we are thankful and should be thankful for. But ultimately, this, this saving grace through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ is what we are thankful for on this day. And the observation of His great deliverance produces that kind of of thanksgiving. And notice the conclusion to this psalm. In verse 42, the righteous see it and rejoice, and all iniquity stops its mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. They have observed God's deliverance. I have observed God's provision. And four times, the psalmist calls them when they observe God's great deliverance. Four times in this psalm. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Because God has delivered them. God has redeemed them out of all their troubles. And this deliverance is grounded in our dependence upon God. In our iniquity, we stop our mouths 
Because we recognize that Adam was formed by God out of the dust. He is our Creator. And He provides for us. He satisfies a longing soul. He heals our sicknesses and our diseases. He is our Deliverer. And we are dependent upon Him. And in all of our iniquity, we stop our mouths because we know our unworthiness as children of Adam who have sinned against God and who are in the bondage of sin by nature, in the prison house of sin and the grave of destruction. And God breaks the bonds asunder through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. There we know that there is true liberty for the children who are brought into the family of God. It's grounded in our dependence upon God. It's grounded in our unworthiness and God's grace. But it's also grounded in God's mercy. How when we cry out to Him, in our wit's end, we don't know where to turn anymore. Our life seems like it's just one upheaval after another. And we cry out, and He hears us, and He delivers us, and has mercy upon us. The righteous see it and rejoice. And whoever is wise observes these things. And whoever is wise not only observes them, but gives thanks to God and praises Him for it. Notice twice in the psalm, He calls us not only to thanksgiving four times, but also to praise, to declare His works. Notice verse 22. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Notice verse 107. Not only personally, but also corporately. Let them exalt Him also in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the company of the elders. It should produce thankful living and praise to God. Personal and corporate. This is God's instruction from His Word. And it's grounded in not only what God has done in the past, it's grounded in what God is doing even today. That's what the psalmist is referring to in verses 33-41. through He not only graciously brings the distresses and and produces these cries and and gives evidence of past deliverance. But he says, I'm doing this even in the present. I'm doing this today in your life. Notice what he says in verse 33. I'll just read it. He turns rivers into a wilderness and water springs into dry ground. He is the one who's doing it. He brings the fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. God is in control. God judges righteously. And He 
produces providences in our life that cause us to cry out even today. That's not God being bad and doing bad things to good people. No, that's a good God giving us graciously what we don't deserve. A time and a providence to cry out to God for deliverance. Because He still turns a wilderness into pools of water, verse 35, and dry land into water springs. And there He makes hungry the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place. And sow fields and plants and vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them. They multiply greatly. And He does not let their cattle decrease. The mercy and the goodness and the grace of our God presently needs to produce in us thanksgiving when we observe His greatness. And sometimes, when God brings us low, oppresses us, afflicts us, brings us to sorrow, He pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet, presently, He still sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and makes their families like a flock. The psalmist says this to you and to me. The wise will observe the wonderful works of God. Past, present, and it gives us a confidence for the future because of God's gracious redemption. For God's deliverance. For God's provision. And for God's care for His flock. That will give us an understanding. A proper understanding of His loving kindness in Jesus Christ, to whom be blessed and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we exalt You and praise You for Your glorious redemption in Jesus Christ. And as we observe Your faithfulness today in our own lives, as we observe Your covenant mercies, Your loving kindness, we give You thanks and praise You. And we ask, O oh Lord, that You would render our lips that we would praise You. And that You would equip our hands to live in thanksgiving and praise to Your worthy name. Go with us in this day and give us an appreciation for Your great redemption. For Jesus' sake, Amen.